0: America's elite is about to take a day quill. We're about to watch American college campuses relieve the symptoms while the rot remains at Harvard Two, the man who makes more than LeBron James. Three, the poll that will end Joe Biden. It's the Will Kane podcast on Fox News podcast. What's up and welcome to Monday. As always, I hope you will download, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your audio entertainment. At Apple, Spotify, or at Fox News Podcast. You can watch the Will Cain Podcast on Rumble or on YouTube. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the time when we all gather around the kitchen table and pour ourselves a cocktail. And slowly make our way through the Christmas card. We look at everyone's picture from every chapter of our life. And we see how they have aged. We see how much weight they've put on. We look at what kind of clothes they have chosen. We look at how much effort and professionalism was put not only into the photo, but into the trifold brochure to update us on your family's life. Oh, it's true. We love the holiday Christmas card, but we also love sitting around judging the holiday Christmas card. I'm just telling you. What everyone is saying. I'm just telling you what everyone is thinking. I'm just telling you the truth. Oh, look. Look at the Smiths. They went with a trifold this year. Oh, look. Look at the Barclays. They simply put a, looks like, an iPhone picture on a family vacation on the front of the card. Oh, but the dog's on the back. Man. Oh, Mac, he's put on a few this year. Man, he really aged. Look how big their kids are. It's one of the most fun traditions in national pastimes, and it's one that I hope we keep up. Just know, we all know, we're being judged. Can't be too fancy. Can't be too casual. Can't be too showy. Gotta make sure we send just the right message. And now, with Photoshop and filters, we can all look our absolute very best. Let's not pretend. We're not shaping a little body here. We're not sharpening a face there. Everyone is sending out these cards knowing that the tradition is taking place. So pour yourself a glass of eggnog. Put on your robe. I say that purposefully. Who wears a robe? I got a robe given to me this weekend on Fox and Friends. And I've never been a robe guy. I've never really understood the robe. This is a robe from a company called Dude Robes. And I don't have anything against the robe. I just don't know where a robe fits in my day. Like, where are you supposed, when are you supposed to wear a robe? Even when you check into a hotel and it's displayed nicely there in a nice hotel up on a hangar. I don't know. I don't know. When am I supposed to take advantage of this privilege, of this perk, of this luxury? When do I use a robe? You know, you get up in the morning, you take a shower, and then you get dressed. At what stage there is it appropriate to say, I think I want to put on my robe? And then how many hours have you said, I'm going to be doing absolutely nothing? Because that's what has been said when you put on a robe, right? Is a robe in place of pajamas in the morning? Is a robe what you put on when you go down and make a cup of coffee? I'm asking in earnestness because I don't know. I've never been a robe guy. I just don't know. And the thing about a robe is it's actually not that comfortable. You're always fighting it. It's opening up in the front. You're retying it. I mean, why is it better than sweatpants and a sweatshirt? I don't, again, nothing against the robe. Just never found the utilitarian time or convenience of the robe. But if you are a robe guy, put on your robe, pour a glass of eggnog, go through the annual holiday tradition. Let's all judge each other on our annual Christmas card. Story number one. American elite campuses, American elite society, is about to take a pain reliever, a day quill. They're about to mask the symptoms, but the sickness will remain. There will still be rot at Harvard, at Penn. There will still be rot at elite American universities. Over the weekend, Penn President Liz McGill submitted her resignation. She will remain at Penn, but no longer serve as president attention now turns to the president of harvard claudine gay there's been some attention to exactly how claudine gay achieved her position she has no real obvious qualification she's very little published she's never written a book she is however a black female and that in modern america seems to be on its face qualification for elite universities Claudine Gay, like Liz McGill, covered herself in shame before Congress last week under withering questions from Congresswoman Elise Stefanik about whether or not calling for the genocide of Jews was a violation of the code of conduct against harassment and bullying at places like Penn or MIT or Harvard. All of them overly coached, reverted to legalese to say it. Dependent upon the context. None of them could give a simple moral answer. Of course, it's bullying to call for the genocide of Jews. And the answer to why they couldn't give an answer, I think, is the most interesting question. And it ties into how someone like Claudine Gay ends up the president of Harvard. Because it seems pretty incontrovertible that she is a DEI hire. Very little qualifications, some questions about the legitimacy of her background, but she satisfies not just the ideological necessity, but the department of diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI has gone from simply being an ideology, and I don't mean to say that dismissively, because simply being an ideology can transform a society. It can transform a civilization, but DEI has graduated into formality. DEI is a job. DEI is a department. Not just at American college universities and campuses, but in corporate America. Chances are where you work. I know where I work. There is a DEI department, most likely inside of or perhaps above HR. And no matter where it lands on your corporate ladder, it actually is of the highest place on the totem pole within the corporation because the president of any given corporation or university has to answer to DEI lest they see their scalp on the wall. You can't run afoul of the DEI department. Otherwise, you will be branded the worst thing in modern America branded in a court of public opinion that has no chance for an affirmative defense, no cross-examination, no presentation of evidence, simply branded a racist, a homophobe, a transphobe, whatever resides, in fact, at the top of that cultural totem pole at the given moment. And so that department is, in effect, the president of Harvard, the president of your corporation. But we shouldn't overlook the power of the ideology that led to the department. And that ideology is part of a greater movement that led us to that moment in front of Congress with McGill and Gay. You know, we brought it up in last week's episode of the Will Came podcast. I asked a guest, do you think the presidents of those universities are walking around on a daily basis, harboring anti-Semitic sentiment?" Do you think they are walking around hating Jews? I was at a Christmas party this weekend in New York City. Ended up speaking to a man who I'd never met before, but he was very passionate about this issue. And I think he was self-admittedly a man of the left, a progressive. He was also a Jew. And he had a great amount of wonderment. I'd say shock. At the way the Israeli Hamas conflict and anti-Semitism within America had been covered in mainstream media how it was covered at the new york times how it was covered at the at cnn how it's being treated at harvard it was as though you could almost see the scales falling from his eyes at one point in the conversation he even said to me look i understand this thing about everything being boiled down to a relationship between the oppressor and the oppressed and i was taken aback because this was a Christmas or holiday party on the Upper West Side of New York. And I, and I don't think that's exactly the bullseye target of the Fox News bubble. I don't think there's a lot of conservatism. Oh, there are some. But I don't think there's a lot of conservatism breaking into the collective psyche of the Upper West Side. And yet, here was this man Forget language, yes, using language, but I think achieving a level of understanding of the deeper issues at play, not just on American college campuses, but in America. And I had to wonder, where did you hear? Where did you learn? Where have you understood oppressor and oppressed? We did go on to talk. He said, I do think, by the way, that at the end of this, there's... Unfortunately, some simplicity. I do think there are people, how many is tough to define, but I do think there are people walking around with a hatred toward Jews. And I don't think I could rebut that proposition. Jews have been the target, as we've talked about in our historical episodes of the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Jews have been the targets of hatred for thousands of years, cross-civilizationally, spanning the globe. From pogroms to the Holocaust. But it's hard to quantify exactly how much anti-Semitism lurks in the heart of man. Honestly, that's a job for the Department of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion. That is our collective therapist, or better yet, our collective inquisitor. What America is dealing with is the Spanish Inquisition, or better yet, you know, a Maoist Color revolution or cultural revolution. We're looking into our minds and our hearts for compliance, for purity. And so I can't do that. I would never want to. I would not want to presume to know how much all of us collectively, much less one man individually, hates. That's why I always revert to facts, to ideas. Because I actually think facts and ideas grant the benefit of the doubt. I'll never forget when I was on ESPN that one of those final debates in my final weeks, it was over the Bubba Wallace nukes, noose hoax with Bomani Jones. And he was talking about, I can't remember the broad scope of the conversation, but it was something about, you know, what is America's center? Where, where, where does it, uh, where, what is the nature of racism? And, and I said that I believe human beings are fundamentally tribal and it's our it's our goal as a civilization to get beyond our superficial tribalistic differences, to begin to see each other as individuals, to, to understand us according to our merit, our judgment, our character. And when it comes to incidences and not just men, men by the facts, and I'll never forget his response to me was. No, racism is the f- problem of white people. And when it comes to facts, white people haven't earned the benefit of the doubt. Now, the conclusion in the zeitgeist of popular media was that Bomani Jones somehow beautifully destroys Will Kane and lays out the nature of America. I think that's the nature of racism. To deprive a collective group of people, and then by extension an individual, of the benefit of the doubt because of their collective superficial characteristics. Look at a man and look at the facts, and you will have moved greatly towards an advanced civilization. But that's not where we are. That's not America. We want to drag entire populations before our inquisitor. The Department of DEI to see how much hate lurks in the heart of man. I'll never know, although I imagine there's a fair amount of anti-Semitism. But what I think is actually going on, as we've talked about, what I think is taking place at Harvard, but also in media, and was taken over largely in America, is the adoption of an ideology That takes advantage of hate. The adoption of an ideology. That divides. And the adoption of an ideology throughout history. Has a proven record. Of drawing lines. To accumulate power. DEI is based upon a Marxist ideology. Of dividing societies based upon identity. Marxist ideology's core tenet is to. Divide and conquer. Divide and accumulate power. We were all taught, and in its first real implementation, that the divisions were based upon lines of class. Bourgeois. Middle class. The working class. Workers of the world unite. This was the banner of the hammer and sickle. This was the fight of the Soviet Union. But we don't have to be deep students of history to understand that Soviets were not working towards some great utopian vision of the future. That the Soviets had not accomplished equality. That the Soviets had accomplished a political party that divided the rest of society based upon grievances, in this case, economic grievances, in order to cast themselves In the position of power. And they did it very successfully. The only real challenges to power were within the Soviet party. Within the Soviet Union. But their ideology of Marxism was exported to America from the early 20th century century. Onward, And starting about the mid 20th century Marxist ideology invested and this is an historical fact in the racial divisions of America to look at their enemy from the outside and hope to conquer through division invest invest in black liberation ideology invest in any ideology that divides. On any line. And as the 20th century progressed. Those lines became identity. Latino. Black. Gay. Convince every single minority. That they are the oppressed. And this is not always removed. From historical fact. Of course. America is no utopia. America is not pure. America is not perfect. So take our pimples and turn them into gaping wounds. And I don't mean to diminish our failings and our shortcomings. And obviously America's relationship with race throughout history, not in the present tense, but in the past has been one of shame. So use that to define America, to destroy the idea. The idea that I think asks us from its very inception to judge us as individuals based upon our merit and our character even if applied imperfectly. So we progress throughout history, and we divide through the 20th century, divide on all those lines, the feminist movement, the black liberation movement, the Latino movement, the gay movement, and most recently, the trans movement. And you create then a totem pole, a hierarchy of victimhood, and you constantly pit – Groups against one another as to who is the oppressor and who is the oppressed. And if you are the oppressed, you're forgiven of all sins. Because an oppressed person can fight for their liberation. And what is terrorism? What is a terrorist but another man's freedom fighter? And you champion the victim. You are always for the underdog. And you are fighting against the oppressor. And all of a sudden, you divided society along so many lines and championed so many victims. that At some point, you start... You look up surprise. You don't even see it happening when victims groups were pitted against one another. It was noticeable. It's been happening. If you haven't been trapped in the bubble of CNN and the New York Times or even Harvard, you could have seen us leading to this moment. But it became undeniable. It became undeniable after October 7th of 2023. When American college students chanted on campus for Intifada. When American college students chased Jews into the cafeteria, when American college presidents testified incapable of saying it's harassment to call for the genocide of Jews. All of a sudden, it became clear. It became undeniable to everyone except for Saturday Night Live. Just increasingly, like the the, the closer you get to the bullseye of cool, or what was at least once cool... Saturday Night Live, The Daily Show, inside of mainstream culture, you just get to some of the, not just the stupidest, but the most morally bankrupt aspects of America. Saturday Night Live made fun of that hearing, but ended up making at least Stefanik the butt of the joke. But for any normal human being where the scales have fallen off, you start to see, oh my God, what has happened? And I've heard from friends who are Jews and now new acquaintances who are Jews. How are we the oppressor. They realize they've fought, they've they've lost, they've lost the conflict, of victimhood. They've found themselves lower on the totem pole than the Middle Eastern, than the Palestinian, and they ask themselves how. For thousands of years, there's been no greater group who has been oppressed than the Jew. P- again, pogroms from Asia to Europe, the Holocaust. Who has been more persecuted than the Jew? So how is it they have lost the totem pole battle of victimhood? The answer to that, I think, offers is offered up through three points: one, whiter than the Palestinian in America; the lighter, the whiter, the more the oppressor. Two, Israel is an outpost. Of Western civilization, adhering to Judeo-Christian values, using Greek and Roman tradition of concepts of justice and law, and by extension, therefore, Western civilization, an oppressor, and American Jews, by extension, because of Israel, the oppressor. And three, that Israel is a modern day colonization. This is always a place where whenever I have this conversation with my friends who are Jewish, they don't want to hear that. Jews have been in the Middle East for thousands of years. It's true. It's true. For thousands of years, there have been Jews in what we now know of as is of Israel. There's been Jews across the Middle East for thousands of years, but the population was much smaller as a percentage and as a raw number, much smaller. And it's just, Undebatable. It's a historical fact, as we've laid out again through three parts of our history series here on the Will Kane podcast. That starting in the 1880s, there was a European Jewish colonization effort of the British mandate of Palestine. I don't say that with moral judgment. I don't use that word as I would have been taught at Harvard. I didn't go to Harvard. I haven't been indoctrinated. And I don't think the word colonization is a slur, is a sin is a historical black mark. I don't put colonization right next to slavery. The United States of America is a colonization. Many great projects throughout history are colonizations. We've had deep conversations with Douglas Murray on this podcast about the colonial efforts are actually the original anti-racist effort. The underlying message of colonization is, regardless of your skin color or ethnic background, you too can reap the benefits by adopting the cultural mores of a civilization that has produced advancements in medicine, longer lifespans, greater health outcomes, greater literacy rates, lower child mortality rates, objective metrics we would think we would think if you love survival and humanity of advanced civilization in colonization, whether or not it 's the Brits in India or it 's the American colonists on the eastern shore, yes, in many places, wrought havoc on indigenous populations. But in other places, brought advancement of civilization. So I don't look at the idea of colonization as an ill. That's how it's taught, by the way, at Harvard. And for what it's worth, anyway. Chaim whitesome, David Ben-Gurion. Zev Jabotinsky, any of the original Zionists from the 1880s through the 1920s and 30s knew and described it as themselves as a colonization effort of Israel. But because the world has accepted a different definition of colonization, it forces Jews into the role of oppressor in this new modern day melodrama between oppressor and oppressed. But this totem pole has all of a sudden made people realize, where do we stand in our victimhood hierarchy? I said to several of my friends, please do not try to win this battle because that battle is the symptom. And that's my point. These American elite college campuses are moving towards taking a day quill. They're going to make everybody feel temporarily better. If they fire Claudine Gay, they fired McGill, they fire the head of MIT, it's not going to change the underlying rot. These universities have baked this Marxist, ideological, oppressor and oppressed victimhood totem pole into the minds of children, of kids for decades, leading to adults walking our streets. Manning our media empires, working in our law firms, sitting on the bench, administering justice, and yes, manning the Department of Diversity and Equity and Inclusion, who see the world through the lens of victimhood, who knowingly or unknowingly have bought in to Marxism, and that is the rot That requires, that is the sickness that requires medicine. Because truthfully, this moment of anti-Semitism is the most obvious, but not the first time that the scale should have fallen. Where this absurdity that if you are a minority or a marginalized group, that somehow this ideology is your champion should have been displayed. Why don't we just ask The feminists, the feminists, maybe if not the original, certainly one of the founding members of aggrieved minority status in the United States of America, driving this identity based ideology, who certainly would have been early adopters of DEI, has now for years been subjugated as to a lower place on the victimhood totem pole than men pretending to be women. Trans ideology has commandeered a higher place on the totem pole than feminism. For that matter, the gay movement has been relegated to a lower place on the totem pole than the trans movement. Look at any conflict between these groups. Who wins? Who wins the Olympics of victimhood? Who wins the greater oppressed? Feminism has been so gutted, so declawed, that women themselves champion men entering sports to destroy them in the exact thing they fought for for decades. Feminism, defined by Title IX, defined by equal opportunity in athletics, now sacrificed at the altar of a greater victim. The man proclaiming to be a woman. This absurdity will continue. It'll move from trans and gay and trans and feminism to Palestinian and Jews to something else and something new. Each time. Pitting two groups against one another. And it will ultimately divide America into the ugliest of lines, forcing us all into these identity based tribes to wear white grievance, white male grievance. It will become a powerful constituency. Is this the world we want to live in? Is this justice? Is this a better world? Ask yourself today. If you're an American Jew. Who's voted on the left. And overwhelming percentages of American Jews. Have and do vote on the left. Is this the world you envisioned? Is this advancement? Was this the champion of a minority status? Was this a great leap forward for equality or were we duped into equity? Diversity, equity and inclusion. The rot will remain. And truthfully, most American institutions are probably beyond redemption. There is no firing that will correct course. There's not enough Claudine Gays or Liz McGill's. To purify these institutions. So there's just another hydra head that will rise because the ideology is and has been there for decades. It will only be reformed from the outside. It will only be reformed by beginning to ignore, deny prestige, and ultimately the requirement will be to deny. Power, Because all of this, all of this is in service of the same end game that resulted in the Soviet Union. A hero comes along to save you a grieved minority. A hero comes along to promise you a bad guy. It starts with the white male. It ends up with the TERFs. You know, fake feminists who don't support trans. It comes for the Jews. It comes for anyone. As long as it continues to consolidate for the hero, his power. That is the rot. And the only medicine will come from the outside. For the rest of us to focus on our individuality and our merit and our character, to look at each other as individuals and to rob them of that power. We'll be right back with more of the Will Cain podcast. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Story number two. The man worth more than LeBron James. Shohei Ohtani, formerly of the Los Angeles Angels, has signed with the Los Angeles Dodgers for 10 years, $700 million. Ohtani, who both pitches and goes to the plate, right now serving as DH can play the field, will make $70 million a year. To put that into context. Steph Curry makes $52 million a year. LeBron James makes $48 million a year. Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, makes $45 million a year. Most of the other top paid players in baseball, like his former teammate Mike Trout, are somewhere in the $35 to $45 million dollars a year. Hell, Otani looks like he's going to pay $30 million a year in taxes. This is a major leap forward for American sports. Now, Otani is a unicorn. He's one of a kind. When he comes back from injury, which will still be another year away, he plays essentially both ways. And nobody does that in baseball. There's a saying that I've been told, don't make yourself great. Don't make yourself the best. Make yourself unique. Everyone's replaceable unless you're one of a kind. Otani is one of a kind. But that being said, I mean, my team, the Texas Rangers was rumored to be involved potentially in signing Otani and i had mixed feelings about it from the beginning. Don't get me wrong. I would have celebrated and I want him to sign him, but it would have come with a little bit of hesitation. Yeah. Whenever you go all in on a guy like this, does it usually work out? You know, um, in baseball, you can look at these guys, whether or not it's Giancarlo Stanton or others, I mean, How many of them actually work out? Corey Seager signed a deal to make $32 million a year, and the Texas Rangers won the World Series. So that pays off. But, the you know, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Giancarlo Stanton, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout. How often does it actually result in the payoff, at least on the field, for the team? And Otani will pay off. Off the field for the Dodgers. A Japanese superstar promises to bring in a massive market. Massive revenue. But. $70 million a year. Is a reflection of baseball. Still alive and healthy. Everyone wants to write off baseball. Just because it's not talked about on national radio shows on ESPN. But still alive and healthy. With regional revenues. Really only Topped one sport in one place and that's soccer in Saudi Arabia I mean in the Premier League Kevin De Bruyne in my estimation the best makes something like 28 million dollars a year for Manchester City but funny money in Saudi Arabia oil money is absolutely blowing numbers out of the water when it comes to sports John Rahm golfer just signed with the live tour he got something like 300 million I'm not sure how many years it's over but I think it's you know A huge amount per year. Cristiano Ronaldo signed with a Saudi team. He's making $260 million in one year. Neymar, $112 million in one year. And Lionel Messi, who signed with Inter Miami here in the United States, the numbers they say are $135 million, but his are so mixed up between salary and jersey sales from Adidas and ticket sales for Inter Miami and Apple subscriptions that I don't know how much we can... Attribute to salary versus, you know, off the field income because LeBron and all these other guys make tons and endorsements. And Messi's is too intermingled for me. But the Saudis just buying everybody up and you almost can't count that. But weirdly, Shoyotani approaching Saudi type numbers for a real American business concern. In the Los Angeles Dodgers, I mean, not run by the Saudi investment fund as a sports washing enterprise to just, you know, no need to turn a profit. And it's because it's not because he's great. It's because he's one of a kind. Don't go anywhere. More of the Will Kane podcast right after this. Story number three, the poll that ends Joe Biden. Wall Street Journal published a new poll showing hypothetical matchups for president In a matchup between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Donald Trump leads Joe Biden 47 to 43. But we've come somewhat used to polls with Donald Trump beating Joe Biden. The poll that ends. Joe Biden is the one that actually includes all of the other potential candidates for president. Of course, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is running for president. There's a no labels ticket that's on the ballot in almost every state. And rumors are that could include Joe Manchin. If you include Cornell West and Jill Stein, once again, for the Green Party, the numbers look even worse for Joe Biden. According to The Wall Street Journal, 37 percent for Donald Trump. Thirty one percent for Joe Biden, 8% for Robert F. Kennedy Jr., 3% for Joe Manchin. Now, these poll numbers are the type that should and probably will send most of the Democratic Party not just into panic, but into action. My suspicion is this is the kind of poll that begins the process of replacing Joe Biden. And my suspicion is this is exactly the moment for Gavin Newsom. When you start looking into the poll at the issues, it is overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly positive for Donald Trump. I'm talking about huge swings on huge issues from the economy. You're talking about 17 points on who, is, who would be better to handle the economy. Trump versus Biden, tame inflation, 21 points, secure the border, 30 points for Trump, 52 percent to 22 percent margins like that. In fact, the only issue, the only issue where Trump lost to Biden was abortion. And so that promises you that over the next year, we will hear ad nauseum, goodbye, Israel, Hamas, goodbye, Ukraine. Goodbye, the economy. Goodbye, inflation. We'll hear ad nauseum about abortion. For what it's worth, a hypothetical matchup between Nikki Haley and Joe Biden. Nikki Haley is up even bigger than Donald Trump. 51 to 34, 17 points. Of course, that's not the poll that would matter to Nikki Haley. The one that matters to Nikki Haley is the one to get to that race. You got to win the race you're in. And she's behind Donald Trump by something like 30, 40 points in the Republican primary but this is the type of poll that ends joe biden that's gonna do it for me today here on the will came podcast i will see you again next time if you see it as so worthy i would love if you share this podcast with your friends and leave it a five-star review you can always send me a note at will came podcast at fox.com see you again next time listen ad free with a fox news podcast plus subscription on apple podcast and Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.